Welcome to episode 21 of Cinemental. Now this I can do. I can't compete with you physically, and you're no match for my brain. I don't give a crap if you covered yourself in peanut butter and had a 15-hooker gangbang. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest tonight, his full-time job is taking pictures of people doing fun things in fun places. He has great taste in bad movies, and his mother said he's a talker, so he's in pretty good company. Stoya's two cats allow him to live in their apartment in Brooklyn, and he would really like to go outside and play now. Steve Prue, my old friend. Welcome to the show. First of all, I'd like to point out this is not a video podcast. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I look great. <laughs> you do. You 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 are by far and away the best oh, I'm, dressed. I'm in the giant mnemonic suit. I'm drinking like Rick Deckard. Like I'm I'm quaffing like you, a replicant right now. But no, this is an audio broadcast. Far and away the best looking, uh, the best dressed guest we've had. Absolutely. Right. And you've had Stoy on here. And we've had Stoy on there. The biggest favor Steve Hovecki ever did for me was make this a not a video podcast. <laughs> oh, you look great. I saw you. I've seen you in a suit. Well, yeah, but it, that, it's, just, yeah. it's just an extra three hours of the day that he doesn't have to wear his sunglasses. So, I mean, so that's the that's the whole key, really. <laughs> I wear those just so Dolce can't see me rolling my eyes at it. Right. Luckily, your eyes are your strongest part of your body because you roll them 500 times a day, Hassan. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm working on my arms. It's 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 making his head wider because the muscles are growing and it's like pushing his <laughs> temples out. <laughs> for the record, for people just to give a little backstory, I've known Steve Hassan most of my adult life. So, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I caught a I got a picture of myself from I don't know when in that in that uh, black uh, uh, staff shirt from Wizard, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm twelve. So clearly that was a long time ago. <laughs> I was never angry. I was stoic. See, that's you keep people, telling yourself people that. make that mistake all the time. I'm I'm very I'm I'm laconic. That's that's Ooh, laconic. a better description. You've never seen me punch anyone. You've never seen me scream or yell. You've never seen me do any of those things. I've never been violent or violent. <laughs> Or violet, yes. Well, I've worn violet once, but that was Who a long story. Hasn't? None of you will ever hear it. I'm, I think I'm a bigger fan of lavender, really, than violet. But lavender. I have a few <laughs> lavender shirts. But uh... I like How about chartreuse. Is that a form of oh chartreuse <laughs> mauve? So, yeah. okay. Dusty primrose. I think that was the Pantone wow. color a couple years ago. Mauve was a great TV Dusty show too. Primrose. Oh my what? God! It's gonna be a long, a long uh, yes, night. yes, sir. <laughs> Get that caffeine rolling. You are correct, sir. From, I, I guess caffeine? we should probably. Uh, I don't know if we, I don't know if anybody has any, but I, I didn't get, see. The funny thing is, I didn't sleep last night. Oh, I planned. I planned to go to sleep. 
I, and, it, and it turned into seven o'clock in the morning and I'm like, I can't go to sleep because I got to record the show with Dolce. So I'll go to sleep right after that. And then for See, some now reason, I got to cut this out again because I can't give away Dolce's trade secrets of pre-recording the show. Yeah, yeah dude, nobody cares. Dude. <laughs> nobody, no one's going to correlate that. All right, no fine. one's going to. This must be the same guy from the other podcast. My God. Yeah. He's moonlighting. My if, God. If anyone listens to our show, I, I, you, we've only yes. said it like 18 <laughs> times. So, Yes, right. exactly. This is not authentic. <laughs> People would be swiping left if you were on Tinder or Bumble. This is not authentic. <laughs> I figured. First, I think we should get to some news move, that gives us fits. And uh, I've only got a couple of, of, of small ones, uh, nothing major, but uh, I thought that it was, I thought that it was interesting and, and Latham, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to hear your take on this, but um, apparently uh, diehard Christopher Nolan fans are booking flights overseas to go see Tenet because they want to see it before anything could possibly be ruined. So they are booking flights to go see it in theaters overseas because that's where it's opening or is well, opening. America and then they won't get in well I mean they're they're op- it's opening here next next Thursday did you know right. that right so I mean I, I no I just I've been guilty of jet setting to see a concert so I can't fault anyone for jet setting to see a movie can they actually even get into other countries? Aren't we banned yeah. from coming into other countries? I mean, we have like two choices, right? Like the 46th <laughs> most, po- most populous country in Africa and Mexico, right? Uh, Costa Rica. I think we're still allowed in Uruguay and Portugal. If, you're, if you <laughs> are from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, et cetera, you can go to Costa Rica. Oh, like, lots like of movie month. theaters there. All right. Excellent. Okay, excellent. All right. That's that's altering my plans. Well, it is going to be a hard break on the internet. This is the first as long as I've not traveled in like ten years, and I was like, "Oh, I got to go somewhere." And I'm like, "Where can I go?" And I'm like, "Okay, here's the entire list of New York states that are on the quarantine list that I can't go." And I'm like, "So my choices are Delaware or Maine." And then Maine had a shark attack. I'm like, "Well, fuck Delaware." So here I am. Still in Brooklyn. Steve Prue says, fuck Delaware. <laughs> Story at 11. <laughs> Delaware, all Delaware does is separate, like, Baltimore and Philly. Didn't you, did you just say uh, Maine has a shark attack, so fuck Delaware? Well, I could, I, no, I, I could, you just that, mean, that's, that left me stuck with going to Delaware because it's the only state on, on the list <laughs> gotcha. of the New York okay. quarantine list I can go to without having to come back and quarantine for two weeks. I thought you were saying that Delaware is so boring that you would actually go for a shark attack. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Don't tempt me, Hassan. Do not tempt me. Don't make me. I've been in this water all day and not one nibble. Damn it. Also, uh, I just saw, Hassan, that apparently Dune, the Dune trailer is going to play exclusively in theaters with Tenet. Oh, wow. Oh, come on, man. Well, that'll be on. Someone will bootleg it. We'll be able to see it. As soon as they release, they're not, they can't keep stuff like well, that. They're saying, they're, I guess anymore. they're saying that the Dune trailer is supposed to be available online sometime in early September. So they're just, I guess they're, I guess they're trying to hook it up with Tenet to give people an extra little incentive to, uh, you know. Yeah, in the movie? 
a little preview of a little preview of Dune before before yeah. everybody else. Steve, you've lost video. Do you realize that? No, I do not. Okay. Um, I can honestly wait for Dune the the, the yeah. trailer because I have the lowest expect. I'm I'm seriously looking forward to it. I do not wish them any ill. I hope that they. I hope they. I hope it rocks. But I actually have the lowest expectation really? for it, just because I just because of the difficulty of the book in and of itself, you know. And the two other attempts that I've seen have been versions of good, but they haven't been really good. Now David Lynch's version is magnificent, but it's magnificent because it's a David Lynch movie. Yeah. It's not really a magnificent Dune no. movie, you know. Have you seen the extended cut, <laughs> so, I've yeah. seen it. It's I've better than the. Original. I love it. I think. I it it is better than it. You're absolutely have you, right. Have you read I, it? I like? love it. Uh, I read the book when I was a kid. I haven't read it. I surely didn't understand it. Yeah, you don't need to reread it. It's, 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 it's out there. I'm just kidding. Good stuff. I'm just kidding. I love those books. I have so many versions of those yeah. books over there. You you would not. But it is. It's not even like it's dense and cerebral. It's just quirky. Right. It's just a quirky, well, like weird thing. Just beginning to like God Emperor and the and the weird ones. Oh, well, that, that, that's yeah. that's sideways into the uh, in through the dimension warp. Yeah. Worm Emperor of Dune? Yeah. Worm. Yeah. Is that what it is? God, em- God, God Emperor. Emperor Dune. God Emperor. God Emperor Dune. <laughs> it's a Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and then Chapter House Dune. Basically, God Emperor, Heretics, and Chapter House are a strange synapse fire for Herbert, you know? But he wrote them. It's close to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's close to him but I th- no longer being I with us. I thought Chapter, so. isn't Chapter House all about the the sisterhood? heritage yes in its own but it's it's the sisterhood like four thousand years removed from okay. where it began all right. All right. and or i think maybe but even twenty thousand. i think it's a ridiculous right. yeah i think I'm it's sorry. a ridiculous if, amount of time if sting's not involved i don't want to see it he's definitely not involved <laughs> he's not no sting i just saw on uh, youtube sean young had like home videos of being on the set just walking around with a with a like it seems, it it feels like a super eight camera that she's going around because there's no sound to it. It's just her doing a voiceover on top of oh. it, and everybody's having a ball on this, you know, on the at the craft services, right. and, you know, on the set, walking around, whatever. So I mean, they're they're fun videos, but it's one of those big um, fucking RCA kind of, VHS handy cams they had back then, you know. Yeah, you don't you don't really you don't really see what she's running right. around huh. with, but everybody. Everybody she films kind of does gives her a little room, like when she comes at them. Oh, so well, she did a bunch of Polaroids. She did a bunch of Polaroids on the uh, Blade Runner set. Yeah, probably. Yeah, she's she's a uh, kind of like an amateur documentarian yeah. or something. It's like probably that. Her. Like Andy Summers from the Police. Yeah. Well, Andy okay. Summers put out a book years ago of uh, of all, all the all photos the that he had, you know, a bunch of the photos that he had taken while on the road with the police for for like a decade or two it's a really great it's a book is called throb it's a re, it's really good who is he the, he's the he's, drum, he's, uh, drummer? he's the he's the guitarist oh what's his name andy summers and then summers. sting's last summers, name is yeah. sumner yes so yeah sting is gordon sumner correct yep. andy and, summers is the guitarist and Stuart copeland drummer Stu copeland Stu okay. yeah Stuart fucking copeland right <laughs> All right, I'll check that out. Possib- does, possibly he, he, one of the um, most underrated percussionists. Ever. Absolutely underrated. 
he did an a album with uh, Les Claypool and Trey Anastasio from Trey Anastasio. Yeah, for Oysterhead. He has got a drum fill in one song that's still probably, it's, it's the quickest goddamn thing you've ever heard, but it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's just, it, 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 it's inspiring every time. Hmm? It was always where he was supposed to be in a song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and the other thing, um, too, about him is, like, every time you ever saw an interview with him or anything like that, same as Neil Peart, they were both, like, the two, like, most just down-to-earth, mellow guys. They never were, you know, you never, all, all the, back it up in the in the 70s and 80s, you always heard the drummers were always the psychos in the band, and you go back to uh, Keith Moon <laughs> and John Bonham and all that yeah. kind of stuff, and that was all because of and, Keith. And you 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 see this and, and, uh, you see Ginger. the stories about Neil and Stuart Copeland, and they're and they're both like they were like the first guys, the they first guys chill. to go to bed after the show every night. And well, they were the exhausted yeah. ones, you know. They <laughs> they're the, they're the ones burning calories every night, and everybody else just running well, it was around. Well, back, Rush, you know, it was always Alex who kept getting arrested. Yeah, there's a video of what's his name? I forget his name. Um, I forget the drummer for uh, Rage Against Machine. And uh, there's a video of, uh, of them playing live. And it must be it must be a little chilly where they are because he's literally, he's steam got coming steam coming off of it. No, off of his back, off right. his whole body. His right. whole body is red. Right behind and him, so it's haloed. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive. And it was in broad daylight that you could see it. So that, that tells you how hot the right. guy was running. <laughs> nice. While doing that stuff. Nice. So I guess that uh, that leaves us with our feature film. <laughs> and, and Steve is going to play us into his main film choice, Blade Runner. Describe in single words only the good things that come into your mind about your mother. Your mother? Yeah. Let me tell you about my mother. Not good enough. Not good as you. I need you, Dex. I need the old Blade Runner. I need your magic. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants, three male, three female. They slaughtered 23 people and jumped a shuttle. What's this? Nexus 6. Roy Batty. Combat model. I'm Decker, Blade Runner. 26354. I'm filed and monitored. A light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And you have burned so very, very brightly, Roy. Wake up. Time to die. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten hours a game. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Time to die. From 1982, directed by Ridley Scott with a running time of 117 minutes. Depending on the version. In a dystopian future, a retired cop is brought back into the fold to help hunt down some escaped synthetic humans. As you'd expect... Things never quite go exactly as planned. All right, Steve. Why is this your favorite movie? Um, it's an action movie. It has it paints a glorious picture of a future of future close. Well, 
everything's on fire and everything's raining and everyone smokes and walls are real thin. Um, I, I like the book. Uh, this movie doesn't have a whole lot of... Yes. Yeah, remember the like, made, like where he just goes right through the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. doesn't not built the code. <laughs> um, I think it's a beautiful movie. It had great production. It, the production design was glorious. Um, it spawned so many things. And also like the story behind it was amazing. Like there was so much conflict on set. And the fact that Ridley Scott didn't like much. And there's so many different versions. There's so much history behind it. Uh, the fact that no one really liked Sean Young was interesting. Um, I just like, I like it as a whole, like, I just love the, I, lo- I like the look. I like the story. I like the actors. Um, love the tech. The tech has, so it's like, it's, so it's like a vibe from the film. Yeah. Like, it's it's uh, steampunky, but not, but it's, it's practical. Like, right. Like the void comp machine is really fucking <laughs> unnecessarily complicated. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but like Deckard's Blade Runner gun, fucking gorgeous. Still some of the yeah. finest cinema design ever. Yeah, well, I mean, they had they had people uh, working on that film who are are true cutting edge Dude, futurists yeah. designers. Yes, I mean, Sid Mead. Yes, Sid Mead. Yeah, I mean, when it comes when it comes to when it comes to production design for that film, it's uh, that that story is and is so one. many practical effects. Yeah, all the yeah, I mean, all they flew while the, all the spinners when they come off the ground are are actually coming off the ground. Right. Right. Just ahead of that point where if they had gone the direction of using CG or using any kind of computer effects, it would have really been such a glowing line of, especially now, the effects that were available at the time would have been so bad to look at now. Uh, I think it would have made... uh, Well, well, especially that ending, but that's a different story. We'll get... I've I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I've seen a bunch of the different versions, but I I realized going into going into this viewing that um, we had to have a discussion of which. Version. Well, th- this is the first time. This is the first time that I've actually watched the final cut all the way through. I've oh, wow. I've I've seen the director's cut. I've seen the work print. I've seen the theatrical version. I've seen the inter- I've seen all the all the previous versions, but I hadn't actually sat through the director's final cut until this time. And uh, the thing I found probably most interesting about it, especially as it was wrapping up, I really felt that, and clearly he couldn't have done this because he, you know, even at the time that he did the final cut, he didn't know that Denis Villeneuve was going to make a sequel to this. You know, I just, it didn't exist. And I feel like, and this is clearly all on Denis Villeneuve and Hampton Fancher. Even af- after watching the final cut, I feel like there is an even better connection between the original and the sequel. Like they work so well together. They fit so well together. You know, I, and in my head, I'd always really liked the voiceover version. I always had a special place. That's the first one I saw. I really liked, you know, all that silly little narration sort of, you know, almost... no, no. And I, it, I, it, you know, Harrison Ford made a lot of complaints about it. You know, he, he hated the dialogue that was, that was written for that. And he thought that it was garbage and all this other stuff. But I, I always kind of just liked it. I thought it was a, a funny little kind of kitschy connection to old forties, 
detective movies, and I thought it was a cool little addition. But not having it and really seeing this as, you know, this is supposed to be Ridley's vision, final vision of this film. Uh, I feel that what, what Denis Villeneuve did with 2049 uh, is just an unbelievable extension of this film. Uh, I've, I've professed my love of 2049 on this podcast before and uh, just getting better with every time I view it. And, and now after kind of really seeing in the same sort of time frame this final cut of, of the original, uh, I, I'm actually even more impressed with 2049. What are you fucking smirking about? And it keeps getting better every single time I see it. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention you're talking to a dead yes. guy. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. 100% yes. All of that. I did. I, if, I, if there was a version of a final cut with maybe half the narration, and because I, I don't, I hate the happy ending. Well, <laughs> that goes without saying on everything, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I, um, I like the gore. There are no happy endings. <laughs> oh, yes, there are. Because it comes well. out of nowhere. Um, yeah, you know, the things that... The stigmata scene. The things that I remember from the original, from watching it originally and thought I would have a problem with missing this time around, I really didn't. And I, and I honestly think that's because of my exposure to the sequel. I feel like, I feel like that, uh, that the sequel has actually made the original an even better film. If that's, if that's something that's possible, but I, 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 you'll have your, you'll have your shot. They believe me. Um, I'm just pondering your, a a couple of you. Okay. Uh, a couple of things, uh, a couple of, uh, one of the other things I thought that was really interesting about going back to this and watching it and really kind of paying more attention than uh, I used to. And obviously looking at it with a bit more seasoned eye, the similarities between this film and Ridley's recent alien films, Prometheus and Covenant, and the search for the the theme of the search for one's creator is an interesting connection, interesting connective tissue between um, kind of stuff that he's done over his career and going all the way back to, you know, this film. With almost the same conclusion, right? Like without really... Kinda, you know, yeah. But, but the fact that it's always... Yeah, be careful yeah, what you ask for. A, a crushing <laughs> disappointment, yeah. you know, to the to the point where it makes right. you deranged and homicidal. Literally crushing. Yes. <laughs> Literally, Literally a, crush, yeah. a crushing disappointment. <laughs> Who wants to go first, Lay? Okay. That's balancing the scale. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> I mean, I've probably, probably seen this movie more than any other one except maybe the Star Wars and Indiana Jones movies. So... I feel like I'm an authority on it. Okay. Um, Why have have you seen it so many times? I, well, I just, the the first time I saw it wasn't the initial theatrical release. It was at the fine arts theater in Chicago during college. So it must've been 88 or 89 on a re-release. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but that's when I fell in love with it. And 
It was still the theatrical cut, though, right, with the voiceover. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? I I I don't I don't know. I I have the. I'm assuming Steve, you have the briefcase DVD set. Yes, I do. With the spinner mm-hmm. and the and the origami uh, unicorn. I've gone through that twice. I'm. I just. I'm trying to. Trying to figure out how to convey in words why this is such a great film when when it's all visual. I mean. It, it, and and also and also the soundtrack. I mean, this is a classic example of the soundtrack makes the movie twice, three times as good. The visuals, you know, whereas John Williams makes the Star Wars trilogy better with his music. I mean, the the visuals here are good enough, and Vangelis just, I mean, absolutely switches genres like three or four times on the soundtrack, and I, I just. It, it's the most completely put together film that I can think of where the story is perfect. The acting is low key and perfect. Uh, it's a min- it's, it's a minimalist science fiction movie on the outside, but on the inside, it just makes you think over and over, you know, from questioning whether Deckard is a replicant to Sean Young and her, the nuances of her responses and how she acts at certain times in the story to the scenes of graphic violence, to it's like a teeter totter. It goes back and forth, back and forth. And, and to me, it's just never, uh, never boring. And it's the best pure science fiction film I can think of. I can't think of one better than this. I like the sequel, but we're not really talking about the sequel. I like it, but I don't, I don't see it comparing to this. I mean, this movie came out in what? 82? 1982. 1982. I mean, you put that opening shot against any other that comes out today and it, it's going to hold up. You know, Harrison Ford is for all the, I don't know whether people consider him a bad or good actor or average or whatever, but for all the flack he takes, I mean, he could have overplayed this role and he underplays it and it's great. I, I, I think the only flack he takes is for crashing planes, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other than that, I think people generally consider Harrison Ford to be a very good actor. Okay, well that's he was very good in this role. Like this is a great, this is a great role to do right. after Han Solo. Uh, he came, he literally came off the shooting for Raiders of the Lost Ark to this set. Uh, the only difference he made was his haircut because originally the role called for him to be wearing a hat during the shooting of this film, and he didn't want to go through another movie wearing a fucking hat the whole time. So he uh, he got the haircut yeah. that he has in the movie. Uh, and hoping that, you know, Ridley Scott would be like, oh, all right, well, let's just go with that. And he did. So he got he got away with it. I mean, no, no characters wasted in this film from the smallest one to the largest. I think how many there's like 10 major characters and they're all memorable. There's I don't know. It's not a feeling of dread as you watch it, but just this feeling of wow, society is just really collapsed. And whatever's going on here is separate from how bad the society is. And yet it's, you know, it's interesting and vital what he's doing. And then as you progress through it and you see him develop and make the decision of what he needs to do, I, I just think there's a lot, a lot to say thematically. And I, I, I don't ever uh, tire of rewatching it or showing it to someone else who hasn't seen it especially younger science fiction fans who have heard of it, 
but have never actually watched it because there's so much other stuff stuff out there and superhero fair and whatever. And then you throw them Blade Runner and like, okay, you want a real visceral, true science fiction experience? Here it is. I mean, this is like reading a short, you know, not even a short, well, somewhat a short, uh, a really good short science fiction story. Obviously, that's what it's. Uh, based off of two. What was it based off of a novel or a Do Androids Dream of book? Electric okay. Sheep? It's based off a book. Right. Which which really has almost oh, nothing to do with right. most of this movie. And as far as I'm concerned, uh Philip K. Dick is unreadable. So <laughs> but that's that's just I've only me. read one of his stories, but yeah. He is in like 85%, but when he hits, he hits hard. The pro- He's more of like, oh my God, this is a great idea. Let, let's let's expand yeah, I, it yeah. versus, I, I, wow, you did a lot of speed. He's, his ideas are great. His his core ideas are great. And some Fantastic. of them obviously made good books and others, maybe they were hard to take in, but someone else took that idea and ran with it. Well, and that's what Ridley Scott did here. Well, it's oh, what Hampton Fancher right. did, really. But well, There's a correct, lot of there's a lot correct. of movies and things. So I, I love it, and uh, it's in my probably my top fifteen all time. I oh don't, wow! I didn't I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, it's really high up there. I don't I don't see any flaws in it, and for its you know like we've talked about the past couple of weeks, giving a movie context when it came out, I can only imagine someone going to see that in 1982, especially as a hardcore science fiction fan, and just being like, "Wow, okay, you win." Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I'm, this is, this is a movie I'm definitely sorry that I missed on its initial run. Uh, I was just kind of under the age of the cutoff and it's rated R. So I'm, you know, same thing as the thing. I was kind of just kind of below the curve of being able to see those in the theater. You know, couldn't, couldn't quite manage to sneak in to see them, but you know, they were both honestly kind of box office poison after the release of E.T., you know, they both delved into similar themes, one from an alien standpoint and one from a sci-fi standpoint. And but they were both darker, grittier, meaner versions of an alien story or a space story. And people weren't weren't digging it. And they both kind of just fell by the wayside, unfortunately. That, that's testament to E.T., who, which just touched everybody it, and no one wanted their you know, their perfect fantasy ruined right. by right. You know, the, the alien, the, the, the gruesomeness of the thing or the brutality. And the, yeah, film. the darkness so, of Blade Runner or the, you know, or the, the darkness and brutality of, uh, of the thing for sure. It would take time for those movies to find their, their niche. And, and uh, you know, ET hasn't lost any things since then, but I, I just think darker stories, take longer to appreciate just in general. So that's how I feel about Buckaroo Banzai. That's one I haven't, that's one I haven't gone back and reviewed since I saw it originally. I, I, that's, that's definitely, that's do a, a re uh, rewatch for sure. Oh, it's just as dumb as it was when you saw it the first time. It's still good. <laughs> it's watchable. Totally watchable. It's a great Peter Weir movie. Any, anytime you've got fucking John Lithgow yeah. as your bad guy, that's, you know, that's pretty much your, your gimme as a, as and a as anytime you have Jeff Goldblum in a cowboy outfit. Fucking in. <laughs> Hassan? Uh, Time to wax poetic. Um. <laughs> it had an effervescent fragrance to it as I watched it for the third time. 
as the sun sunk down at the apex past of the horizon. As the South sun Ridge. sank below the event horizon. <laughs> yeah, I had a the, my 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 biggest issue with this film isn't with the film at all. It's just the fact that I missed it just like everybody else when I was a kid. But it was a movie I heard about from everybody. Everyone was like, oh, God. But it was always this kind of like, um, it was like a grail. It was like this unattainable thing because, you know, when we were coming up, there were no bootlegs and there were, you know, there was there was no way to see it until, and it took its time to yeah. come out on VHS even. Yep. Yeah, it took a year it usually yeah. for films to come so, out on home video because they had to go through they had to go through the home yeah. cable cycle, you know. Bef- but there was no, I don't think there was even, I don't think home video was even that prominent a thing when it first came out. So when it started, when when people actually started to buy VCRs when they became affordable and they and it right. became a market, it took a long time for some titles to That's get true. released, right? Because they had to. They had to alter rights, and they also had to alter the um, the ratio, the aspect ratios of a this lot of was, movies. It was a hundred dollar. This was a hundred dollar VHS cassette. It was. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't get to see it until then. The problem is, I got to see every Blade Runner ripoff in in before I got to see Blade Runner. So. When I watched that, I, I, I sat there like, I can appreciate this is the first time any of this stuff has happened, but I've right. seen all this stuff before. It's kind of like, um, it's kinda, I saw Star Wars when I was four. It's the greatest movie I ever saw. It's fantastic. It was all-encompassing. It's a big, extre- extreme uh, uh, extravaganza, like uh, a visceral, visceral uh, visual overload and all that stuff. And when you break it down, when you get a when you get a, a novice or you know just just an outsider to come and sit down and watch Star Wars with you, and they go, okay, so they all get into the ship and then they get captured by these guys and then they get they get thrown into the garbage and then they get out and they blow that place up. Like they tell you, there's really nothing to this movie, you know, even though it means so much to you, you know, because you you know, and Blade Runner. There's really not much to Blade Runner. There's not much to the film. In fact, Decker he doesn't, doesn't do a really lot, do right. any detecting, except for one time when he, yeah, when he goes right. after Joanna Kerr with Joanna, Joanna Castle. Enhance. Enhance. Like that today, I'd kill somebody. One, yeah, but that well, of course, but that uh, you know, that's still one of the funniest jokes. Oh, enhance. Well, that's still one of the funniest non-reference jokes in Super Troopers. When he's sitting at the keyboard and the, and the other guy walks into the office and he's sitting there at the keyboard and he's clacking away at the keys and he just goes, clack, 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 enhance, clack, 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 enhance. And he's just saying enhance. That's and great. it's like, it's just a throwaway joke, but it's fucking hysterical if you know what he's talking about. If you I got, got that joke right now. Um, That's right. I really like, I saw it when I was, I did see it when I was younger. I remember seeing it on HBO with my mom. And I remember the, because I, the only reason I remember that is because both of us were like, what the fuck is that ending? Cause you know, we didn't get why Roy Batty right. saved him at the very end. You know, we just didn't we're like, what? And that was it. And then he just dies. Okay. This movie sucks. So you get older, you watch it again and you realize, okay, this is the first time anyone's ever seen that. This is where this genre comes from. This, these are all models that, you know, there's nothing is CGI. All of this stuff is practical. If I had seen that movie in the theater when I was young, 
that probably would have been the greatest movie I've ever seen. There's there's no other situation where I more experience like the regret of having not seen it when I when I was in my impressionable hmm. years than that film because I know for a fact that I'm I missed out on an experience by seeing it when I was a lot right. older and a lot more jaded. Um, what I do appreciate a little more than the film, even though now, now let me clarify, the film is fantastic. I don't have any issue with the film. I think it's great. I, I like the story of the second one a lot better because it's a little more. Well, there's a lot more interesting. story. <laughs> and there's Roger Deakins. Well, that's, that's what I mean. The documentary that comes with that set, yeah. oh. the Dangerous Days documentary about the making of it, I find that uh, a, a zillion times more uh, compelling. I've, I've watched oh, that more funny. than I've actually watched the film. I kind of like the voiceover because I like the I like the atmosphere of it. I like the I like the nostalgia of it. You know, I like it. I, I, even even with Harrison Ford's completely unenthusiastic uh, <laughs> narrative, I, I like oh, it. Oh no, I'd rather um, be a killer than I've a victim. Seen the, I, <laughs> 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 that and it's just like he's like I I'm gonna I'm gonna take yeah, this so someday it out. someday I'll be able to get rid. They'll see the <laughs> yeah. error of their ways. Yeah, I'm gonna take this. Um, and uh, I've seen I I I get what everybody's saying about the happy ending. I I understand it. I don't I in, in the the like you're saying, Steve, the non-happy ending kind of slides right into the next movie. Yeah. Really it well. It makes an incredibly smooth um, dovetail to, you know, so yes, I think taking for me, taking the two movies together, it is because when I saw the second one, I believe that was the experience I missed out on in the first one. Okay. Being able to see that movie for the first time, being able to like, Oh wow. Okay. I get that. You know, I get this. And uh, even by the time the second one came out, I, all of those visuals you've seen before, you've seen flying cars, you've seen, you've seen dystopian future, you've seen, you know, more smoke than atmosphere, you know, that in, in certain things. Yeah. Everything, but it's fire. just the, it's the feeling of it. It's the, it's the fact that they just committed to it 100%. They didn't overwhelm you with spectacle. That's the other thing that the first one doesn't do either even though it is a, a spectacle movie, it doesn't all this, all the, the little uh, hints and nods of, of great visuals. It does not overstay its welcome. Like the the you know, it's just, well, it's balanced with realism. There's enough real yeah. stuff there. Like he still goes to like the, the Chinese guy on the street to get oh, his food. Yeah. It's not delivered in a pill form or some yeah. like weird thing that he has to, that he has to rehydrate yeah, or crazy. something, you know, he can just, he's still going there eating a fucking noodle bowl. <laughs> he still has to clean his chopsticks. Yeah. That's the thing. Dude was like, we were watching it last night and dude was like, what? They haven't figured out how to fucking make smooth chopsticks yet. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I very much enjoyed it. I'm upset with it because I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more had I gotten to see it right when I was Oh, younger. yeah, it's Blade Runner's um, fault. It's not. I didn't. I was about <laughs> to say it's not all films' fault. But I thought it for you. That's a, you know. But you want to you, you get mad. That's okay. I'll just, you know, I'll just <laughs> sit here and, oh, and, boy. and not speak. And whatever. But uh, anyway. You're the cop. <laughs> You're the cop. Huh? Yes, I am laconic. I am the, and and uh, yes, 
I very much appreciated the experience, though I wish I, when I was younger, I would have seen it um, because it would have been even more of an experience. I totally get it. Had the experience, I would have been a man with the experience, and I would have been happy about the experience. That's all I wanted I to know about it. the experience. And thank you, Asan, thank you very much, the man with no name, Godwin, for listening. <laughs> no, um, I didn't get Kiss until I was in my mid twenties. So I get the it. I, I wish I would have seen Kiss when I was like twelve. I would have died. Wait. It would have been amazing. I was, was, yeah, so I, so no, I, I, I got kissed. I got my ass kicked over Kiss, so I have a, I have a very visceral remem- memory of so Kiss in and of itself. Because I, uh, Hassan, Hassan, do you still have that picture handy to show Latham? Because Latham wasn't <laughs> Latham no. wasn't Latham wasn't here yet for the picture. So, uh. <laughs> what picture? Even that picture is pre oh, okay. Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pre Blade Runner the picture. <laughs> uh, it's a picture of Hassan in a school book. Uh, it's, it's a, it is it is fucking stellar. Wait, you see books. I gotta see this. Nineteen eighty nine. So the year we make contact. <laughs> oh, there it is. Let's see if I can do this without knocking look, look over at this my beauty, uh, like. water. Here. I'm watching. Because I will mm-hmm. knock That's it over and it'll be a disaster. <laughs> nope. There's no. Ah, oh, wow. It's <laughs> awesome. How fabulous is that? <laughs> oh, dude, that should be blown up and put on the wall behind you while we do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. With um, no context. No. Just have it behind you. And it's never explained to any That's right. guest. Who was that motherfucker sitting on the wall behind the, you? The Hassan Godwin Tell hour. no one. Uh, all right, here you go. Here you go. Was, this is when I was drama. in drama. Yes, I am. Oh, look at me. Look you. how happy I was. You're <laughs> killing someone, Hassan. They, they have yes, captured a murder and someone. put it in the yearbook. <laughs> I was murdering someone right in front that's of the glass. That's how, that's how baller <laughs> you're, I was. So your method when it comes to acting. <laughs> That's right. You're the there's, there's a scene where he has to kill was, someone in a play. Was, he needs like, you know, 1,400 people to make the whole run of a play because he's got to kill one person a night. <laughs> I very seriously wanted to be an actor. I did. And my mom was like, you can't be an actor. And I'm like, why? She's like, you're an introvert. That's not going to work. Be an artist. I spend all this money all on art. Right. <laughs> and that's, uh, and that's how nice. the art thing happened. All right. Well, it's, it's, it's it's a good thing you're, you're not going a good thing school. you were able to draw. <laughs> uh, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. Uh, no. The jury's still out on that no. anyway, no. depending the on who you ask. Out on that. I only need to ask one person, and I'm sitting right in front of him. Uh, so, uh, so in 1969, that. Martin Scorsese and Jay Cox met with Philip K. Dick to discuss the possibility of adapting this novel into a film. And, uh, but they never, they never ended up optioning it. Or and the project never happened, but yeah, uh, but 19, the 1969 oh, man, version 69. of Andrew and Imagine Dream Legend Sheep would probably be hella different than the 82 version of Blade Runner. Oh, uh, I agree 100. Oh, percent Not yeah. only that, but the most interesting part of the name of this film comes from a completely different story that Ridley Scott bought the rights to. Simply so he could use the title. There it was Blade a screenplay yeah, about was... guys who dealt in black market medical equipment, and the guys who 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 smuggled the equipment were called Blade Runners because they 
black oh, market okay. knives. But he that makes right? a lot more sense. But he loved the title, so he, <laughs> he he optioned the rights to it so he could use the title and never use the story. Wow. Crazy, amazing. So the people who wrote Blade Runner can never can, can Not never under that name with their own story. <laughs> Jordan knife hauler. <laughs> knife hauler. <laughs> Scalpel truck <laughs> coming soon to HBO Max. Yeah. <laughs> um, Deborah Harry was originally reportedly the original choice to play Pris. Oh yeah, that that would work. It would have been interesting. Oh, that would have been. Apparently, Ridley Scott approached Pete Townsend to compose the music for this film, and Pete Townsend declined because of his experiences in making the rock opera Tommy. The film version, which is uh, again totally different. I can't. I can't even fathom having like some sort of rock soundtrack accompanying this. It just doesn't. I can't even feel how that would work. He, he well, missing his date with destiny right there. Oh, that train. That train will wait. There's some <laughs> no, cool special be. effects stuff about this film. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when they get into the spinner the first time, when he gets in with Gaff to go to the police station. One of the computer graphics on the dashboard is showing this sort of little octagonal image with like a little cross with the edges kind of going into it. That yeah. is the same graphic. That is the same computer graphic that's used in Alien when they are undocking the Nostromo. It's the same gra- one of the same graphics that they use in that film. Ridley Scott. Well, it's obviously the same. So is that the same well, world as Alien? Funny you should ask this. Because Ridley Scott has said recently that this movie shares a universe with the Alien film franchise, which is alluded to in the Whalen Files TED Talk with Peter Wayland from Prometheus. With the sequels to hmm. Prometheus and connects the movie more closely with Alien, the first of which Alien Covenant is with Joan. Beyond that, in the unofficial canon, the Alien and Predator film franchises share a universe, as shown in the Alien versus yeah. Predator films. Yeah. Finally, and finally, Firefly alludes to the Wayland yutani company of the Alien Predator movies uh, in the final or in the first episode, uh, Firefly and Alien Resurrection being projects that both involve Joss Whedon. In total, this means five different film franchises, Blade Runner, Alien, Predator, Alien versus Predator and Firefly could potentially all be in the same universe. At different time periods. Yes, clearly. But across, I mean, you could theoretically map these all out on the same timeline, which is just fucking crazy town. Bandy Wheaton. If you were a loser, you would do that, probably. Wow, huh? that's just cold, man. Wow. <laughs> that's ah, just cold. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know Hassan did that already. I didn't. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Dr- dramatic, dramatic podcast music. Come on, Steve. Uh, bring oh! It oh no! <laughs> You've done it. Nice going, Latham. Nice going. <laughs> I, I think he meant to put that map of the universes up, and it's just too close to the monitor. That's right. When, uh, when they were building the miniatures for that opening flight sequence across the city and also for when they fly into the police headquarters the first time, when they were putting those models together, they apparently were like using whatever they could find in any of the model shops as far as scraps, 
old things. And I looked last night trying to spot it, but apparently in the approach shot to the police headquarters, there is a Millennium Falcon attached to one of the buildings and just painted the same color as the building, as well as the ship from John Carpenter's Dark Star. Oh. And they were just used as Gribbles. set dressing. They were just used as details on like the sides of like architectural details like, uh, on the on the building like models, which is, which is kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they but they were just using stuff that had already been made. One of the other uh, one of the other cool things was uh, so Ridley Scott and uh, director of photography Jordan Cronoweth. Uh, that that sort of effect with all the replicants and with the owl where they have that sort of central part of the eye sort of reflecting light. Yep. So this is an effect. What's that? And the the owl's eyes are like completely glowing. Right. So this was apparently done practically. This was not a post visual effect. This was done practically. And it was in a technique called the Shiftan process invented by Fritz Lang oh. for Metropolis. Wow. wow. And it's done sideways? and and done light is bounced <laughs> into the actors or actresses eyes off a piece of half mirrored glass mounted at a 45 degree angle to the camera. Yep. Jesus Christ. And lights up and lights up the cornea. Just fucking amazing. It's a, it's a brilliant effect and there the only side effect was that it killed the <laughs> owl. But besides that, it was well, it worked really shot, well. The owls big. Yeah, according according to the book, the owls were the first ones to go. <laughs> okay, well then at least it was truly well, realistic the book in that sense. Centers on the fact there's no animals. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes, That's they were the first ones to, the to to kind of get sucked in. Um, so Ridley Scott's first cut of this uh, ran four hours long, and <laughs> most of the. Most of the crew, including writers and director, admitted that while it looked beautiful, it was mostly incomprehensible, <laughs> necessitating uh, additional editing and the, expl- the explanatory voiceover, which obviously he flip-flopped on later when he figured out that you know people were just going to fucking get it, and that's all there is to it. Um, so the happy ending has got an interesting story behind it. It's, it's, footing, it's footage left over from The Shining. Correct. Stanley Kubrick had been a huge fan of Alien and Ridley Scott knew this. And so when he found out that the studio wanted to put this extra accord of upbeat ending with them driving off into the, into the woods or whatever, he reached out to Stanley Kubrick and asked him if he had any extra footage left over there that, you know, stuff that he had shot for the shining in that opening sequence of them driving to the overlook. He says the next day, a dozen film cans showed up at his house with a note from Stanley Kubrick saying, here's everything I shot. Just do me a favor. Don't use anything that's actually in The Shining. He said, you can use yeah. anything else out of that here. Would've, that would have ruined both that, movies. You know? And that's where the footage, well, it would have tied another movie into that <laughs> yeah. universe. <laughs> Jack Nicholson but, worked yeah, for so Waylon Utani. That's what made him crazy. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Um, you know, Joe Turkle, you know, the bartender <laughs> yeah. was actually, you know, Eldon Tyrell or yes. you know, was a replicant of yes. Eldon Tyrell. Texas five can only be a bartender. So, that's right. But I thought that was a, that I thought that was, you know, cause of course Kubrick was known for shooting 
tons of extra footage, obviously. Well, he was also known um, for the fact that like he felt that actors didn't give their best performance until after take 50 or 75. Right, right. After they'd been completely fucking frazzled. Has there been confirmation of that line that Rooker Hauer says when he says, I want more life, and you're it's supposed to be either father or fucker? So oh, so the story the, the story is well, Robert the, says. the story is is that he purposely flubbed the line in audio so that Oh so it's ambiguous so, well, so that the original audio on the theatrical cut, he says fucker, but they knew that going onto TV and whatnot, they would need another line. So he ended up saying fucker. And then they, they, they ADR'd fucker over it for the theatrical, but they still had him able to say father for the TV cut originally, or for a uh, playable version for broadcast. Obviously, that was been replaced to just father for the final cut. So I think that's that's the that's the the story that I found uh, that he had no, that, makes, that he that had that sense, he had done yeah. it on purpose. Um, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of parts of of Roy Batty's performance that came from Rutger Hauer, not just not just Obviously, the speech yeah. and everything at the end and all that, but um, there's a lot of stuff that he came to Ridley with and said, "Hey, you know, I think we should do this this way," and Ridley was like, "Yep, good, <laughs> love it." I'm too busy, which is that's surprising for me to hear from a control freak like right. Well, you guys pretty early on in his evolution, and so. making smoke yeah. everywhere. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> was uh, Alien was his first movie? No, no. His, it, Ridley Scott's first film was called The Duelists. Oh, The Duelists. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, okay. City Speak, the garbled language that Gaff talks the first time he comes up, was actually Edward James Olmos's idea. Yeah. It's a mixture that of was his contribution and, and some something right. else. Um, okay. So Rick, everyone helps. That's out right. This. So Rick Deckard's reds, you know, Rick Deckard's car, not the the standard blue spinners, but the red one, is on permanent display at the American Police Hall of Fame Museum in Florida. And there's another one of the spinners, the blue one, uh, is on permanent exhibit at the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle, Washington. So spinners are available to see wherever, you know, depending on what side of the country you're something else. That's fun. When you were walking into JF Sebastian's building, uh, correct. But the outside, when you walk off the street where it almost looks like you're going into an alley to get into there and you walk by those huge sort of columns with those big spirally onions at the bottom of those. Yeah. Yeah. Look familiar. Because those showed up in another Ridley Scott film three years later. Oh wait, I know it. I know it. Uh, is it the pillars of the lair of the devil That's and legend? Correct. Wow, yeah, I, I would have never known that. <laughs> yep. No, 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 Stevie. I was literally. I just made that up right now. You're, you're. No, kidding. that's where they were used. I, I literally just made that up. I've never you're, seen. You're, you're, I don't think I've ever seen Legend. You've what? Never seen Legend? Oh, I don't. I legend, don't think so. But I never would have. Something I, blowing I, in the air. Every, yes. Wow. Yes, there is. I literally just guessed that. I'm that's not hysterical because that's you're you're a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> that's exactly where he reused them. I thought Legend was eighty six. Uh, eighty five. 
but yes, so that's uh, that's another reuse of, uh, of of Ridley Scott's. That's uh, a lot of the hats that the passersby wear on the streets were baskets that they bought at Pier One. <laughs> you know, just harkens back to Eric Clapton. It's in the way that you use it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Didn't they use, uh, uh, for one of the cuts, uh, Harrison Ford's brother's face for something? Huh? Uh, they had, they had, ex- they had, uh, they cut out, they reshot something with Harrison Ford's brother and they used his face for the scene in the noodle palace or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know that story. There was, there was some stuff that was shot. Uh, there were some reshoots that were done utilizing, uh, Ford's body double, uh, a guy named, I can't remember his first name. His last name's Armstrong. But he was so close in physical size and build to Harrison Ford that he went on to become Ford's double for his next four or five films. Uh, This was his guy that basically he brought with him. He was like, you know, the Brad Pitt, you know, guy from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. (laughs) The Brad Pitt carry. He he was the the, the star's double and he would just go wherever the star went. But uh, no, I have not heard that. I love the wide shots. Why Blaze won in the winning. Sorry, I love Scott Pilgrim versus <laughs> the world. So. Never saw it. What? That movie's Never great. Seen it. What the hell Never is the matter it. with both of you? Like, like, come on. Come on. What's the matter with both of us? What? He likes it. He's I've never, never seen, seen Legend. <laughs> You've never seen uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, oh, I know. Hey. I, I have seen I have seen Legend. I, I didn't like it. I haven't seen yeah, it. In if a you while, have, if you have strong like feelings about things blowing in every scene, then yeah, you're gonna have a lot of feelings about that. <laughs> if you have problems with hay fever, <laughs> you're not gonna like this movie. <laughs> Leaves, twigs, snow, De- detritus, just blowing doesn't does, doesn't matter. Uh, Legend is the best pure fantasy film ever created, hands down. That's a bold statement. Uh, Labyrinth, would like to have a word with you? Yeah, that's a bold okay. statement. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you haven't seen Willow or Crow. Yes. yes, I. Yes, I. Oh, oh boy. How dare you? <laughs> Told yourself you wouldn't say things out loud. Say them to yourself how first. D- how dare both of you? How dare you? <laughs> uh, they have Terrence Ford in um, Blade Runner. Terrence, Terrence uh, Ford? Is that Harrison's brother? I didn't know Harrison had a brother. I don't know where I'm. I don't know where I'm getting that from. It's on one of the DVD extras in the briefcase. Okay. Um, Great set. I don't know. I can't. I can't yet. So I I can't substantiate that. So I'll just shut up. (laughs) Play play the score. Uh, There's a guy named Terrence Ford listed as a second assistant director. Second second assistant director. Okay. There's also a guy named Donald Howard as a second assistant director. So this movie had two had leads named Ford and Howard and second assistant directors named Ford and Howard. How fucking crazy oh, is that? The executive, they normally be assistant executive producers. <laughs> Dude, there's so many fucking producers oh. on this movie. It's not even funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's just there's so much history around the movie, all the different cuts, the re-releases, how it gained fame as a cult classic uh, can forever be talked about. I think, I think it just begs to be discussed. Indeed. Uh, just a, an unbelievably good film uh, that, that took, it took a while to find its place. And as I said, if, uh, if you, if you haven't seen it, you definitely should. So from there, I'm going to 
All right. Well, you know what? I, I honestly think at this point we should probably just go down the tubes. And again, the Internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Um, you guys all have the posters open? I do. Yes, I do. I'm ready. All right. So we will start with Blade Runner. He say you Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, so the original USA is a poster uh, with a painting by John Alvin, one of the two big poster guys of the era. Just a thing of beauty. It's great. I just, that tagline needs work, but otherwise that's, it's, that's what I was saying. It's fantastic. <laughs> otherwise, I mean, it's really, it's, it's iconic. Yeah. No, it, it is. It is the most synonymous with, uh, uh, with the, the, the movie that I, yes. that I remember. Right. For sure. So then this is, again, uh, as we'll go through them, you'll see that most of the international posters were made of weird mashups of, of photos and things. But uh, next up is the U.S. Final Cut release with a new poster image done by Drew Struzan. True. True. Yes. Yeah. Uh, incorporating a few more of the characters uh, in his very imitable style. Wow. And of course, his his faces are flawless. Yeah, he's yeah. like no he's, no he's, compromise. He, he's he's a little good on likeness. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, there's all your characters right there. I mean, exactly. Well, and, and and it's funny though uh, his choice to put Harrison Ford on here twice that way. That's true, and you that, need that James almost on here. Yeah, yeah. Good. It's it's strange that he's on here. You know, I understand the big head, but being in such close proximity with having another shot of him just seems weird. Yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah. I agree. It, it's probably not good. So next we have the French poster. And this is the beginning of, like I said, of the the foreign release posters are really just end up being sort of mashups of stills of promotional stills or stills from the film there. None of them are, I thought, very good. This one looks like a or late '60s, like it would come out in the late '60s. Yeah, like I mean, this 2001 is, poster. I don't mind it. You know what's funny about this is if you look at the way those lights are done from the top of the the Tyrell buildings, that's the fucking yeah. Weinstein logo. Oh, Ooh. wow! Yeah, that's, that's how fucking weird dark. is that? I literally just yeah. noticed that. Uh, well, not that's good. A bit dark. Not good. <laughs> yeah. this, this film yeah. just got darker. <laughs> Uh, so this again, town needs an enema. Next one, <laughs> and that's something we never talked about too. Is some people don't like the scene where Harrison Ford kind of forces himself upon Sean Young. That's like a problematic scene with yeah, cancel yeah, is. But I, I mean, I don't, I don't give a fuck. But some people have a have a problem. With it. So uh, next uh, is uh, Germany, Der Blade Runner. Oh, with that, but Sean Young's coat from that scene, love it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's a consolation. Uh, listen again, the production design on this movie is fucking flawless. Oh, you know, just, yeah, I mean, just, just every every detail of you know, and they the the background of some of the stuff, you know, that the uh, guys have said in like uh I'm sure they've talked about it in the documentaries of of you know, everything from you know, you walk up to a phone booth and all the directions on how you use the phone booth are in are all listed on there, and there's you know, things that you'd never see in the film, but would be on something in real life. Ridley made sure all that stuff was there. 
You know, he made sure that everything was there so that when you walked into that, you were in an environment that was complete, which I think is light up handles. What's that? All the umbrellas had light up handles. Uh, Right. Which were eventually made by thinking because you need to see yourself, see through (laughs) the smoke. Right. And and rain. (laughs) I mean, I like, I like these three, Uh, the, I like all these. I, I think if you're seeing them for the first time, they're pretty good. Yeah. I mean, wow. Japan, Japan's the same thing. I mean, yeah, it's, I like, it's more the same. I just, uh, I just, uh, I'm not, I mean, uh, it's not as, you know, graphically great as the first one, but it's, you know, if you don't know anything about this movie and you see this, you're like, I'm in. This is, this is funny too, because it, it it's got the, the Japanese image is really funny. Well, I guess it's the same as the, the German image. If you go back. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a der German, Steve. Der German, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that all these are photos of all this stuff, right? Except for the two hands holding the gun, which huh. are clearly painted. Strange. And, and stuck on there. And it's not one hand holding a gun. It's both hands. Yeah. It's weird. just very oddly, very oddly placed yeah, in there. Strange choice, right? Yeah. And you can tell that's the that's the harsh part. Like no matter how much work that they did to blend it, you can yes. definitely tell it doesn't yeah. fit his face. It doesn't fit what is going on there. Next is of course the brilliant Polish poster. Love this. <laughs> oh my god! What the fuck? Just just great. Just, just not ain't nothing. Even. Nothing in the movie doesn't even matter. Well, that's kind of Pris, right? Is it Pris is it never, sort of Pris? Never uh, supposed to be Pris, and then a bug in a cape. Like walking towards you. Interesting. And that is the end of our official poster. So we go right into a beautiful piece by Adam Cockerton. Strange that Blade Runner didn't have more official posters than that. Yeah, this is pretty pretty difficult to beat here. Wow. Holy shit. I'm sorry, what was that, Steve? I was saying this a lot of these I saw a lot of these at Hero Collective when they did their like big yes. Hero Complex. A lot of these were done for Hero Complex and a lot were done for uh poster posse. That's correct. There's some great ones. And next is uh, is a piece by Adam Godoy. It's always interesting to see like what people years after the movie will focus. focus. On. Yes, I I agree a hundred percent. What they choose to, yeah, that's like the big fascinating aspect of this whole. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah next yeah, so is should, so much <laughs> a company that does alternative film posters. Next is AJ Frina. I, I love this one. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's nothing that's in the movie, except, you know, the owl's in the movie, and then they right. make some off, offhand remark that the owl isn't real. Right. And so, you know, the guy and, just takes liberties. I'll, exp- I'll explain why uh, you will find as you go through, as we go through these, the owl is a focal point on a number of the poster images and you will find that most of the poster images that focus on the owl are officially licensed posters that have been done for physical releases as opposed to just fan generated artwork because Alcon and I know this from my own experience Alcon which is the company behind the Blade Runner films in their licensing has absolutely no likeness rights of anyone in this film. Uh, And so when you get a poster license or an image license to do artwork for the film, 
you don't have likeness rights to anyone. You literally have to go to every single actor to get those rights. So everything has to go through Harrison. Everything has to go through Sean Young, who is notoriously prickly when it comes to images. Or anything. Or, or well, yeah, or life, right. Yeah, yeah, or existence. But, so you'll see a lot of these owl images, and that's basically because it's an image that obviously they can't protect, so or they don't have to protect. What's this so, thing down on the, um, on the extreme left? I see the unicorn and a I bottle, see the bottle right. and what's this thing all the way on the left? It looks like a, like maybe a jacket or something. Oh, with a little, like almost like little tabs or something. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But on the, on the, the uh, boycott machine. No, uh, no, 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 no. We're not, it. we're not there yet. AJ Freena, the owl. Oh, okay. Um, hey, it doesn't the, matter. All the way in the lower left there, there's uh might be Roy Batty's jacket, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. All right. Seems like a, it's probably important, but it's probably really subtle. Yeah, know? right. It could just be some textural. You know, if you look down, there's uh, there's more on the very bottom under beneath the unicorn. There's more yeah, of yeah, what looks is. like a similar piece there. But All right. So next is uh, Almog Gressel. And that's nice the, the Voight-Kampf machine. <laughs> Next is a piece by Angel Trancone. I mean, you put Joanna Cassie's body on it. Yep. All right, so next is uh, a piece by R. Rosar. Owl again. Oh, that's nice. Talk about Joanna Cassie. Well, that's, a, the other that's, a dove. that's a dove. That's, that's a, a, that's a they, dove. They, they put a bra on her? The, the, well, the, yeah. Uh, sort, of, sort of a bra. Bra-esque. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Now let's move on to our Rosar. Okay. And there's I don't the, like it. You, really? No, I really don't like this one. You like the composition with Inside the Dove? Okay. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. It's artistically. I get it's it. A good, it's a good try. It's just that. Uh, right. I, I think you'll like the next one by Aurelio Lorenzo. Okay. Let's see if I do. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fine. Don't no, hurt I mean, yourself. It's just a good one. Let's go on. I don't know about the color choice. Carpet, all looking at different photographers. Yes, yes. It's like a rock album cover. Yeah, <laughs> all Not different, all different directions. Just looking off somewhere else. No one wants to put Edward James almost on their post. No, and he, ah, guys. he had one of the best outfits of the of the entire movie. I know, right? He looked like a fucking pimp. Uh, so okay. next, next is Ben Harmon. Oh, nah. I don't think you seen even. Movie. I don't like this one. If it ever loads here, I'll be able to tell you if I don't like it. It's taking forever. <laughs> Come on, load. Here we go. Uh, I don't hate it. It's kind of book covery. Uh, it is uh, something about the comp. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind this one. Faces. I don't mind this one. You're not well done. <laughs> Next is a uh, a piece Love by this. Bolt Posters. Uh, in, the, in the we're not even going to try category. <laughs> now this is oh, a this is a, the, the typography and the type design are great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what this guy does. Is he just takes a a, a certain single image and just kind of works it into a an entire. Problem. Yeah, but like the Blade Runner, quite an experience. Common to live in fear. The, like the, between the line weights of that looks yep. great. Yeah, you know. I'm a, I'm a type horse, so I like I, I typography just makes me so happy. Exactly. Do you think Bolt Posters did a poster for the movie Bolt? Probably not. Okay. 
Let's move on. So, so do we get paid for that joke? Or is that, so, <laughs> is that coming so, out of our pockets? So, so next is a piece by... shit. Next is uh, a piece by the Design Guys Boys in the Lab. No. I don't like it. Yeah, really? I like it. No. Yeah, I like it. Maybe their second one I like. Let's see. No, nope, don't like that one either. Wow, dude. Did you notice, uh, Latham, in the previous one that the whole thing was done in a silhouette of Deckard? Yes, I saw that. Okay. And I see All that right. in this one. And I don't know. I don't like the color scheme here. I don't. It's it's. It seems like it's just trying really, really hard and... I don't know. Could have used like the edgy. It's like the edgy kid at like in the in like yeah at the school dance. I mean, you know, I couldn't make it, but I don't like. It. Right, but we <laughs> could say that for all of these. So, well, that's not true. I could have made the other. So the next one uh, by this Brian Taylor. Awesome. They put uh, chew in it. That's right. Oh, no, no, Edward James almost though. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm waiting for someone to use Edward James almost. Once again, he, just, he was he had the best headgear. Yeah. Next to choose. Choose is great. But yeah. What is the significance of the Schlitt sign only the lits being lit? Because it's lit. Oh, okay. Next is a piece by Casey Callender. And it's got a an alternative version of it with a, a different central character. One is a unicorn. The next image is a variant with uh, Roy, Roy and the guy. dove. Eh, a little off on Harrison's likeness, but that's bound to happen. That's good. It's decent. I don't know. Um, I, like, I like both of those. Next is Christopher Cox. I'm sorry. You completely lose the title of the movie. That's true. That's true. It's not good. It looks like, yeah, it's not good advertising. Yeah, well, you got to know what these it aren't is. A, these, aren't, know. these aren't about advertising, Steve. Don't care. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> It's all it's all advertising, Steve. Again, someone's just trying too hard here. Okay. I don't hate it. I just don't think it's a good crowd. Yeah, I don't hate it either. It's just there's okay. yeah. Okay. Love next, the next one. Next is a piece by Christopher Shy. This one I like. It has a nice, like slightly East European look about it. It catches the atmospherics of the yeah. movie really and there's well. A, there's a lot of stuff buried in that in that yeah. image. There's a lot of layers in there. I feel like the spinner going through. Yeah, I like this one. The good idea. Yeah, it's fairly good idea. Man, it's hard yeah. to come up with a good alternative blade runner poster. Next is a super minimalist uh, piece by Chung Kong Art. Works for me. Totally, totally seventies book design. Yeah, yeah, it's a book cover though. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good uh, book cover. Next is Colin Murdoch. Yeah. Yeah. Another book cover. Hey. All right, guys. I, I never liked wow. this. I don't like this. <laughs> wow, you guys are tough, man. Uh, Corin McNiven is next. A 20-side die in the middle of that? Uh, I see what you're looking at. Yeah. That's all right. Roll a 20. Yeah. Maybe you'll get Edward James almost on a poster finally. Okay, I don't like this one either. Okay. Uh, next is Dan K. Norris. Pardon my French. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah, again, uh, uh, Dan's work is uh, singular in its in its style and execution. I like Dan's work a lot. Yeah, it's, it's stylish. I don't know if it's a great poster for Blade Runner, but stylish. Next is a piece by Daniel Keene. Steve and I had a discussion about this. This one actually made me mad. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. 
Leon's credit's not on the fucking poster, and he's the only one who gets asked about the turtle. The tortoise. Yeah, oh, that's right. The, the question at the beginning. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's pretty... He's the only one. And they, but, you know, they did give Edward J. almost his credit, but... I could have made this poster, so I don't like it. Really? You could have drawn that turtle? No, I would have copied and pasted it and then just put the... Ah, uh, I understand. There you go. Clip art. That's done, man. It's digital, man. Right on. It's a digital way. Okay. You can't draw a turtle. You can't draw a pencil. Next is a piece by an artist that goes by the name Gabs, Gregor Domoratsky. This is good. Yes. That's decent. I mean... Gabs is just beautiful, beautiful (laughs) stuff. I mean, it looks good. I just don't... It's not... Okay. (laughs) It's good. Next is Gareth Matthews. Mm. That's pretty simple. Yeah, I get it. Again, more of a book cover. I don't like it. This is a bit more of almost a Gibson-y feel to it. Uh, Next is a piece by one of my favorite artists, God Machine. Again, the owl. (laughs) Listen, it's a picture of an owl. I understand. (laughs) Next is a super minimalist piece by Gregor Gilliman. Yeah, talk about minimalist. Jesus. Roy and the Dove. Yeah, I don't like the yeah. gears at the bottom. What is that? <laughs> You're mad about the gears? <laughs> I just. What are the gears supposed to represent? Fuck these gears. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> fuck those gears. Next is a piece by Ignacio RC. Fuck yeah, Edward James Omos in yes. the middle. There he is. There he is. My Fine. God. Well, of course, you got to put him in the back of the picture. Okay. Oh, now what do you want, man? Yeah, he can't. Where's he, the toy maker? He, he can't have a win. He's got. <laughs> now, now he's he was in teaser a poster like eight one back. What are you talking about? Why can't you have a poster with Edward James almost and the toy maker? <laughs> they had to put uh, the second Harrison Ford in. Uh, and Brian James. Here we go again with the uh, second Harrison Ford. Do we miss some subplot of cloning? All right. Next. <laughs> so, so next is a. I like uh, this by yeah. Ilya, Ilya Kuvshinov, uh cartoon. Yeah, Disney more eyes. Like, almost like an anime Defy. rendering of of Sean Young. That uh, I they, this artist did a really cool image of Matilda from Leon the Professional as well. That is that is the these two images are two of my favorite images this artist has created. I mean, it's it's a great image. It's like almost like Disney ish, but I just don't. You know, it's a great image. It's great. If you saw it all by itself, though, you'd know exactly what it's for. Well, well of course. Yeah. Listen, and the thing is, is not all these are necessarily designed as film posters. You know, they aren't. They don't have credit blocks. This is, you know, a lot of this is art that goes along. If I had stuck just to film posters, you know, a, it'd be, you know, with someone who actually takes the time to put credit blocks and titles in, then you know, you're talking about a much smaller group of of pieces. And if that's the way we want to go with this, that's fine. Uh, I just prefer to look at a, a wide array of like, you know, a, of art choices that goes along with a particular film, especially one, one that's such a, got a, such a rich amount of pieces available. That's just, you know, that's just the way, that's the way I roll. Uh, next is a piece by a guy who goes by the name Ink Java. Uh, he's done a bunch of really awesome alien, alien stuff, and he does it in this really cool cartoony style. Yeah. I'm a big I'm a big fan. It's fun. You know, he's just spoofing John Alvin's original poster, but it's, you know, it's kind of fun. Uh, Next is one of the single most beautiful images I've ever seen created for this by a guy named James Jean. That is. uh, Did we like the Ink Java picture? 
Nope. Good. Uh, sucks. Okay. Uh, now the Jake G, the James Jean one. Amazing. Yeah. I would hang that on my wall. A hundred percent. Next to my "They Live" printed by printed by bonded by blood. Um, printed right. in blood. Thank you. By the way, uh, good luck getting a copy of this poster for anything less than fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. They only they only made forty of them, so. Yeah, so I can't go to a Kinko's and just have them print this. Uh, actually, you probably could, but uh, it wouldn't be. It's illegal. Well, besides being illegal, it's not. You you could still do it. You know, it's going to stop you. Uh, the next is a super super minimalist image, but I fucking love this. That's why I, I put it in. A little too minimalist. No, it's so minimal. That I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. Really? Rain. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Tears and rain. Oh, I get it. Tears and rain. Fucking love it. Okay. Fucking love it. Yeah, I don't. That's fine. You don't like anything. Not next is Jeff Poitier. No. Uh, Rucker looked like he he put he aged a bit. That's just the style. It's just the rendering style. Because look at everybody. It's decent. Threw that owl in again. Yep. All the time, I like the moon being the owl's eye, though. That was that's yep. pretty cool. Nice touch, nice that's design touch. Uh, next is Jim Steranko's cover for the Marvel uh, graphic novel. Fuck yeah, love Steranko. Yeah, he didn't even he didn't even try with Harrison's face, but it's no, a great he's image. fucking Steranko. He doesn't need to. No, he's just awesome and Greek and glorious. Yeah. Um, so yeah. these next these next three images are other pieces that John Alvin did after the Blade Runner poster, uh, or in the ensuing years since the Blade Oof. Runner poster that have the been released. One, second I, one's my favorite. That have been released as uh, that that have been released as prints through his own uh, website and stuff. So very yep. Drew esque. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're all pretty good. And then uh, after those, we have a, a piece by an artist named John Guido. Again, inside the owl, inside the owl nice. format. The likeness is a way better. Yeah, and I like the color scheme. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's Sean Young when she's playing piano. Yeah, before she puts her hair down. Uh, next is Joseph Harold, again with a more minimalist style. Same as the next one by to die. by okay. Julian Rico. Okay, I, my problem with this, not enough lights. What are you talking about? There's not enough lights on the buildings. Every building is lit up like it's Christmas in the movie. Uh, right. I like it makes a unicorn, and I like, I like the yeah, idea. It wants a load. But all the buildings are lit up. There's so many like little fiber optic lights. Yeah, I, I agree. It I agree with what you're saying. Right, but the fu- Okay. I mean, it's... I'm not going to explain every piece. You can like it or not like it. That's totally cool. No, I understand what he's doing here. I just think I right. need the lights, but whatever. That's fine. I don't. Um, next is uh, Cacophonia. Cool. I like it. Once again, it's good type saying. Yeah, it's a type thing. I knew, I knew you'd probably dig this one. I like the owl's eyes, the, the subtle electronics in the eyes. Yeah, it's the Voigtkampf image. Yeah. Next is a piece by Carl Fitzgerald. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm with that one. That's a good one. There's your there's your smoke. There's your fog. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> there's my lights. <laughs> I like that one a lot. That's interesting. I 
<laughs> Can't give him a hard time when he actually likes something, Steve. I know. I just I find it interesting. I find it interesting the ones that he actually likes as compared to a lot of the other. It's not trying too hard. That's I think a lot of these are just really trying to incorporate every iconic thing about the movie or five iconic things and trying to combine them. And that one's just that one's good. And I like this next one, too, by Killian Eng, who I don't know anything about. But this one doesn't bother you just because it's a single street shot of Deckard. And I like it. Okay. It's really oh, nice. I like that too. Nice and busy. Oh, yeah. Killian, like, uh, again, Killian Ang is uh, brilliant. He's it's like where's Deckard instead of where's Waldo? <laughs> Don't have to look hard. He's really uh, easy to uh, find. It's easy, easy to <laughs> find them. But uh, next is a piece by Luke Fisher. Yeah, this guy did not get Harrison right here. Right, but there's a little bit of a style to everybody, so it's not no, like he's, he's not that, going for photographic likeness. So, but he's closer on everyone, and then of course there's his clone at the bottom left. You know, I mean, I don't yeah. think we need him twice in every poster. I don't like the so ones. Has Sebastian and Chu. Yeah. Edward James. No, Edward James almost again. They got no, everyone man. in this one. But no, it's got, Edward James almost. But it's got Leon. Got Leon now. Uh, yeah, it's uh, next, tonight. Yeah. Next is a piece by Lyndon Willoughby. Finally, the, the torches and the, and the fires from the opening scene. Yep. I don't mind this one. I like the the DNA, I like the the DNA RNA sequence chain running down the, uh, the left hand yeah. side. Good idea. Yep. Uh, next is a piece by Neil Davies. Okay, I, right, I like this one. Edward James almost in the car. Well, mm. you can't ask for everything. Wow, you almost get everything <laughs> of Joanna Cassidy in this one, though. That's true. If you uh, perfectly placed sequins, take care of that. Uh, it's a piece by Nick Runge again. Edward James almost in the Love house. Good likenesses in this one. Yeah, I like everything. I like I, I like the I like the spinner. I like the way I like the layout. I like the cool to warm. I yeah, like how yeah, it off against the one white. of my favorites so Nick, far. Nick Runge like does it. Nick Runge does good stuff. Next is a uh, uh, a this bit more great. bit more minimalist minimalist piece by Noble Six. That's cool. That's a good one. Next is a piece by Paul Mann. Another good one. Good likenesses. Love, love the good composition. Colors. Yeah. Not bad. It's a guy who, uh, if you go to yeah, the website, Leon in there. <laughs> if you go to his, uh, if you go to this guy's website, he does a lot of really cool uh, original oil painted images of uh, modern films, but they look like the old painted '60s movie poster stuff. It's really cool. Uh, Paul Tinker in a more a little bit cartoony style, but definitely Edward James almost yeah, he's got everybody I don't think he's missing anyone on this one oh, he's at the police chief he's even got Brian in there yep oh man look what he did to Pris though holy shit what's he got against Daryl Hannah <laughs> <laughs> what the hell did she do to him I don't, I don't like him in general but I like the fact I, that I like Batty with his thumbs in Tyrell's eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's staring at guy. us like <laughs> what are you gonna say about it all right yeah, this next one's awesome. I yeah, love like one. it. I like clever. Hey, don't uh, jump ahead. So, so Peter Strain is the uh, is the next one with the filled in spaces of the unicorn. Yeah, that's good. That works. I like that one a lot. I'd put that on my wall. That's a really cool one. That'd be really cool to have on a wall. Next is uh, Peter Stultz, who we've discussed before, who does uh, modern yep. takes, uh, modern films done as old 40s style film posters mm. and with actors of the age. It's interesting, yeah. 
which I think these are a lot of fun just because, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, just, it's creative. <laughs> directed by Billy Wilder. You know, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what directed. Marlon Brando as Roy Batty. Uh, so next is Raid 71. Cool. Yeah, one. that's nice. And lots of uh, lots of bright color. It's uh, Akira. Reminiscent yeah. of Akira. Uh, next, we have Ralph Krauss. There's Edward James Elmas. The nice Edward James almost there. Yeah, all yeah, his like likenesses this work in this one. Yeah, Everyone's likeness is great. Like, right spot on. Everyone. He did some nice lighting, too. He did some really nice lighting on Roy Batty. I like this one. Yeah, and on Daryl Hannah. Yeah, exactly. I like that one a lot. Got the punkers in there. He's got the, the Sid Vicious punkers guys. Next is uh, an artist named Sam Mayle. Yeah. I, you know, he's Roy yeah. Batty is like melting. <laughs> yes. He I don't is. like melting away. Like tears in the rain. Yep. Oh, so next one. Next Holy one. Uh, so this is wow. done by Stunning. Studio goes by the name Studio KXX, but his name is Christoph Domoradsky. Like some Mobius, doesn't he? What's that? Like some Mobius, doesn't he? Uh, some of his stuff does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next piece, the, the next piece is another next one. Piece, the next piece is one of my favorites in the whole thing. Me yeah. too. The yeah. next, the next one is another piece by him. Just oh. Graphic design for fucking days. Yep. Uh, it's hard to fault either of his posters are, wow. Great. Really the gold really. one. The gold one is striking. Yeah, it is. Really, it's great. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the graphics are hard to follow, but if once you see what you're looking at, you, you, you can kind of get it. Um, there's uh, a piece by something called the Designer's Nursery. It's like yeah. the Disney version. What's that? That the text looks like like it's the Disney version. It looks like. Oh know, yeah, just his his font choices here is a little odd. Reminds me of like a James Bond movie. You know? Next is a piece by Three Feet Deep. Anything with a gun. I, I'm I'm in. I also like. I also yeah. That's my type of style. It's almost got a Saul Bassey feel. And I'm okay with anything with the silhouettes hanging off of there. The next is a brilliant piece by Timothy Anderson. My favorite piece in the whole thing. Oh, non-canon. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, it's not a movie poster, but it's great. No, it's non-canon, but correct. It just sums it all up, though. Yeah, it's it's really well done. Yeah, especially for eighty-two cents. That's that's right. Uh, Next piece by Tracy Ching. Well done. Yeah, her yeah. her design style with that that sort of digital cross hatching that she does is when you look really closely at one of her prints, it's just kind of it's a little bit it's a little mind blowing uh, how beautiful they are up close. Uh, next is a piece by Wallace McBride, a little bit of a riff on the Metropolis poster. Yep, the Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Uh, next is a piece by Zishu. What the hell? That owl shot of a of an owl. Wow, <laughs> I like it. But porn shot a, of the that's owl. A, yeah, that's a spread eagle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's oh, it's beautiful though. All right, you can get past the owl in his knickers, I guess, and uh, you know. <laughs> All right, enough of this. Thanks to Purple Planet Music. Get your own awesome music at purple-planet.com. Please check out our website at cinematalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and or subscribe to Cinemental wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can always check out new episodes at cinematalpod.com. 
cinementalpod.com. Also, in case you use social media, you can find us at cinementalpod at all the usual places. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, myself, and our friend Steve Prue, we all say thank you very much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and driving instructor, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.